Welcome to Bad Faith Podcast. It's your host, Bakari Ibrahim. I'm joined by my co-host today, Barrett Holmes Pittner, the great writer in mind. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Gotta boost you up, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Appreciate it. How you doing today, bro? I'm good. I'm good. You know, just doing a podcast, you know, having, having a good time. Man, good, good, good. Well, I'm glad to be back with you today. Um, a lot to talk about, some things that have been on both of our minds that we want to touch bases on with our audience today. And uh, really just share some ideas. So uh, let's get right into it. You know, we've been watching the elections and what's been going on, watching the debates and et cetera, and keeping up. And, you know, I'm a Delawarean. So <laughs> Joe Biden was my man for uh, a very long time. Um, and it's been interesting to see um, me as a native Delawarean coming to Washington, D.C., attending Howard University, being here. Uh, while he was vice president under Obama, kind of like this matriculation uh, of what, I'm, what I've known about Joe Biden and what I'm learning about Joe Biden. And so uh, what's taken me aback recently um, is when you're looking at, he's polling really well um, based on his, basically he's running off of his job in the Senate and what he's done in his history as a political figure in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And who else is leading against him right now is Elizabeth Warren, who's looking to change policy, make some big changes, um, and really listen to the people in terms of getting things done. Right. But when you really look down at Joe and what he's saying to folks, it's, um, one, it leaves him on the wrong side of history for people of color. But on the other side, when you hear certain things about um, going back to how things were back in the days sometimes. It's very similar to how Donald Trump was trying to make America great again. So uh, my question to you, Barrett, is <laughs> why is Joe Biden you know, polling so successfully right now in, if, if we're in a society as Donald Trump as president and we don't want this, how is the side that looks good still bad to us? Um, yeah, so it's a good question, and I actually, I think on Friday, got into this argument with this, like, young, um, white progressive woman who was trying to tell me, an African-American man, about how Joe Biden was so bad, and, and, and she described Joe Biden as a racist, and I was like, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> and so, so the thing that, what, what hit me in this conversation is, like, I don't view Joe Biden as a racist because I feel that there is the opportunity for white people to improve or grow beyond like these inherently racist or aggressive American ideas that were the norm a decade or so ago. Yeah. You know, like that's like I, I think what a lot of people when they we talk about American politicians or America as a society we like to believe that there was a time <clears throat> prior to the present where things just worked well and there mm -hmm. wasn't like these massive systemic problems and we had like a, a solid cultural foundation. But the fact is we don't. We just had society times where it was more commonplace to articulate the necessity of like racial oppression or inferiority or just or notions that you need to be tough on 
crime, crime and that yeah. crime coincidentally is only directed towards this group of people they're the criminals you know right. all all this type coded of coded language in that way it's all coded you know and after the civil rights era you know there was became a greater necessity to code the language like if you live in a country where being racist is no longer just an acceptable norm the the way to continue racist ideas is by coding them and articulating things as if there's no racist connection at all but the outcome is still the same racial division oppression exploitation right and america for since the 60s that's kind of been our foundation of how things are articulated where you don't articulate stuff with it being overtly quite clearly racist but the outcome is going to be division and exploitation and like suppression of people and communities of color yeah so joe biden as a politician that's been around for a very long time he's going to have said things in the 80s and 90s yeah that are part of this uh discourse of coding racism and fooling people and people even fooling themselves that it's not racist which would be bad faith yeah um mm. and so then there's that point where you have to realize the scope of your bad faith and come and try to correct it. Yeah. And I think Joe Biden, in many instances, you know, I'm not saying he's perfect or anything like yeah, that, yeah. but has realized, you know, I, maybe I should have said something different or, or, or I'm not doing that same thing now. But then the question is, how should he feel about what he did in the past? And it's like, well, in yeah. the past, he definitely thought that was right. He thought it was okay. Or he but thought everyone he was thought job. it was right. And he, yeah, and everybody so, thought it was right. So then the question is, how should he view himself in the past? Well, like, he should view himself as someone that was trying to do what he thought was right. Yeah. Does that mean that you now dislike yourself? Or you like, like it's, a, it's, a, it's a very peculiar question about how you should perceive your actions when you've only had good intent. You just are in a corrupted society. Yeah. And so Joe Biden has this natural baggage that any white politician that's been in the public eye for a very long time is going to have. And it's, it's a baggage that really makes people feel quite, uh, makes people feel bad about America because you don't want to think that there's an inevitability of this baggage. When it is. It is. And yeah. so when you juxtapose Joe Biden to politicians like Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, who like Elizabeth Warren only came to the public eye because of like, during Barack Obama's administration. administration. Right. So we don't have a records long record of, history of her, of of her talking. She could have had very similar ideas back then. She just wasn't a, a, a politician. Yeah. She was, you know, she was just teaching or She's doing whatever. She's also a former Republican, right? Exactly. So she could have had way, way worse <laughs> ideas than Joe <laughs> right. Biden in those times. We just don't know. Yeah. So it's easy to imagine that she never had him. You know? Yeah. And, and, and Bernie Sanders is a similar type of thing, except Bernie Sanders lived in an area where there's only white people. So, yeah. like, no one's going to ask you. And they were making you, the decisions, and it was really all about what they just, wanted. <laughs> it's just, right. Like, no one's going to ask him. Like, racial strife is not going to be a thing he's going to have to deal with and manage as a politician. He can have beliefs and concepts of regarding racial equality where he can join force with the NAACP or whatever, but, like, Vermont's just white, so there's a, a theoretical idea of what's good and what's bad or whatever, but the, at the end of the day, we were more concerned about how you 
implement and apply these policies and are they effective? Yeah. And Bernie Sanders just hasn't ever had hasn't to do that. that. Not because he's been running away. He just happens to live in a state that I've been in Vermont. It's gorgeous. I don't really sure, you know, uh, have any problem with anyone <laughs> you living don't wanna, there. Yeah, downplay Vermont. It's like, right. Vermont's a, a, a great state. Anyone that lives there, that's awesome. It's beautiful. So, uh, there's no, I don't have any problem with Bernie Sanders living in Vermont, but the reality is like there just aren't enough black people there for these issues are about are about race to come up organically. To be at the forefront of anyone's campaign talking about what right. change is going to be right. here. So it's really easy for someone to imagine that Bernie Sanders didn't have these beliefs or yeah. didn't say anything problematic. But it's like he's never needed to articulate it at all. And so it makes it easy to imagine that he's uh, one of these old white Americans that doesn't have the same baggage. Do you think that... Um Joe Biden's old schoolness uh, hurts him in that regard, or is it to his benefit? Uh, I think it definitely hurts him with young voters, 100%, because young Americans, whether you're white or black, or you know, just in general, we'd like to imagine our society to not have this, these profound systemic problems where like, articulating racist policies in a palatable way aren't like a foundational component, component of, of America how this runs yeah <laughs> how the business run <laughs> so so with these young people especially with you know like like cancel culture and stuff like that Which they're we'll very to. prone to just being get rid of them let's get a, like a better one there has to be a better one but the reality is that there may not be yeah. because we just live in a place that doesn't create better people because we just have this profound level of just bad ideas that like have dominated and sustained racial inequality and so but like with older voters like joe biden has been one of the few white politicians who has always gone to like the black community mm -hmm. and tried to have conversations and interactions like the ideas that he comes up with might not be the the most perfect one but he's definitely the guy that's been going to the church been yeah. going to the NAACP things. And and right now his campaign is essentially that he's ride or die Barack Obama. Like I'm not saying anything <laughs> right. bad about Barack Obama. Like this is a white guy who's saying I should be your president because I'm best friends with, with a Barack. black man. <laughs> with Barack Obama. I got black friends. Yeah. Like you could say you could say that's problematic or whatever, but that's never happened before. And this is a white guy who's saying I'm awesome because I support a black man a hundred percent. Yeah. Old old black people they're gonna love that. They're gonna fuck with that. He's been going to like the cookouts and the fish fries and yeah, go, you he's know. been shaking. I mean that it, it's funny that you say that because as a Delawarean, that's how I know Joe Biden. I actually grew up not far from him. Right. So like he literally he was on the other side of town right when you cross into the burps. And I saw him in the churches or at the community events as well as you know, the whole thing about him traveling to my train station back to D.C. every day. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, you know, I, no one, I'm not going to say that Joe Biden has always had the best ideas or anything like yeah. that, you know, but you might be hard pressed to find an American politician that's as old as Joe Biden that has spent as much time as he has trying to ingratiate himself and get to know the black community like i just don't like he's been around a long time he has yeah. to break free from a lot of bad ideas about race and inequality and, mm -hmm. and the viability of our of our social structures to you know to to be viable today 
but it's because he's so been around so long that he has that problem. But this is a guy that's been hanging out with the black community for a very long time. He's very supportive of America's first black president, and that's definitely going to traffic with um, with with older uh, African Americans. Now, does that mean that he's the person needs to become the president? Like, I have no idea. Like, that's that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other conversation. But the 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 dislike that people have about Joe Biden and his statements in the past, I think it stems largely from like a disconnect of like what America has always been, and and like. One thing that was interesting, this conversation I had on Friday with this this white uh, Bernie Sanders supporter that was trying to tell me that Joe Biden is a racist, like, my not saying that Joe Biden was a racist stems from the notion that I believe that, like, white people in America can still have good ideas. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, Everybody's still capable of having a good idea or, or having a creative idea that can lead change. Right. Like, I acknowledge that you are brought up in an environment that was filled with really bad ideas regarding people who look like me. But I'm still going to say that I think you can have a good idea. Right. That's why I'm saying Joe Biden's not a racist. This white person was saying that he is a racist. Yeah, why was she saying that? Because like, he said racist stuff. But, like, all these white people said racist stuff in the 80s or 90s. That would be cons- But, like, what was her, like, specific point of, like, something oh. racist that, like, he said? Like, for example, I'm not, you know, I think there's a line between, oh, it was racist policy or it was codedly racist or it could be taken that way through experience versus, like, somebody's calling me the N-word behind my back. Like, so one example this person referenced was... Someone asked why, like, the schools in, in Iowa or some, you know, predominantly white state or whatever are better than, or the students are performing better or they're better mm-hmm. than, like, the schools in Baltimore or something. Right. And one of the first things Joe Biden said was that, like, these schools are predominantly white. And so you look at that and you can say, oh, he's saying that white people are just smarter or better than black people. And that's per- that's perfectly a fair like assessment way assess- to take it. Right. T- way to take it. I'm not saying that's wrong. But at- we do live in a society that disproportionately always gives resources to white people. Right. And so like if you live in an, aver- an area that's predominantly white, you're going to get more money, better funding, all sorts of stuff like that. Right. And so th- the the capacity to conflate like those dynamics and not choose your words properly Probably where you're saying, well, it's because we disproportionately give white people services and resources and black people. And that's why right. it's like, sure, he could have said it another way. And I'm not sure what he actually meant, but I do know that we live in a place that just perpetuates division and gives white people more educational resources. Right. This, <laughs> that's just, what I know. <laughs> that's what I know. And so if you look at that and you say Joe Biden is a racist, that's fine, go ahead, look at that. If you look at it and say maybe he phrased it, he could have phrased it Phrase better, it better, but right. I'm, I'm pretty sure that Joe Biden doesn't believe that, that like uh, white people are just inherently smarter than black people. Right. Then I think that's a fair way of looking at it too. But the, the point is, is if I, if I had her approach to canceling Joe Biden because of stuff he, he said maybe recently or in the past that might not have been phrased well or might have actually been stemmed from a bad perspective, a bad understanding mm-hmm. of a society, concept. Yeah. then I also wouldn't, her opinion wouldn't have any validity either. Because right. even if she isn't saying racist stuff, 
she was probably raised by people that had similar said, ideas. Like, right, and the, said the same things that he said or right. would interpret things in the same way that he like, did. If she agrees with the fact that America in the past encouraged white people to have racist ideas, whether they were aware of those ideas being racist or not, and that's just a fair assumption that I could make right. across the board, well, unless she was like raised by a bunch of black people, then her perspective stems from this flawed foundation. Right. And if I don't think that Joe Biden and other white people can learn from these mistakes and be like productive, beneficial members of our society to forge equality, then I'd also just completely dismiss the legitimacy of having a conversation with her. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> her, like her perspective was saying that I need to negate white people while listening to what she says. Huh? Well, like she didn't know that, <laughs> yeah. but like that's what it is. Like if yeah. I'm gonna like rampantly cancel someone because because of these things, then then I'm also I should just cancel you too. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So you know what? Let's talk about that. Um, that this actually flows really great into you know something else I wanted to talk to you about today. All right. Um, and it's exactly that cancel culture, and kind of like how it's you know, kind of uh, spread out recently. So, um, you know, recently I've been trying to understand what people mean by con cancel culture. You know, it comes up when, you know, celebrities have like old tweets saying something or somebody uses the wrong words to explain a concept and things. And also in entertainment, specifically in comedy recently with Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr and their new specials where they're kind of pushing the you know fringe comedy and really talking about things that people say that you can't talk about anymore mm -hmm. um, because of the time that we're in now considering the Me Too movement and LGBTQ movements and uh, you know the fight for black lives and immigration you know that you know people are saying you know that now you can't say these things and it also come, becomes this pushback of you can't say this but also we can't do anything with you anymore right and so in thinking about that understanding um, I came across a book or rather a book kind of was suggested to me about the coddling of the American mind and how you know our refusal to kind of deal with certain topics or you know ask for trigger warnings or um, essentially kind of skirt around free speech Mm -hmm. you know, is hurting us. Right. And so, you know, I wanted to speak to you about it because not necessarily about like, should we cancel people because of things in their past, but kind of like from an ethnocidal perspective, what, what is cancel culture and what are the, is there times where we need trigger warnings or, you know, we need to, you know, talk about things straightforward or, um, should we put these things away? Like, how is this affecting us by having cancel culture, not talking about things, or just straight talking about things? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so it's, so there, there's a lot in that. Like, so we'll start, we'll start with cancel culture. Like, there, so there's, this is a big thing in America. Is like, we believe culture and, like, capitalism are the same. We're like, or culture and work are the same. We're, Canceling someone sh and not hiring someone are the same. Like, no, like if you live in a, if you are hiring people and you have a work culture and you find out that someone has beliefs, 
that do not coincide with the the cultural environment you're trying to foster at your choice of like space your, your, there, wherever you are then that makes sense to not hire someone just like if you were if you find out that someone lied on their resume about like a skill set that they have and they don't have and you're going to hire them to do that it would make sense to not hire them so like if you have a a qualifier for to work at a place where you say we don't want people who uh, are racist or we think are going to bring a toxic racist perspective into our culture that makes sense to not hire someone Mm -hmm. now there's a difference between not hiring someone and completely like culturally disowning someone from society as a whole and this is like a weird conflation that america makes where you know since since we, we, we conflate work and life as being the same, someone not having a job or not getting hired is as the like the equivalent of them being just like worthless. Worthless. Just taken. No out of value. Society, right. Which that is a whole other problem yeah. that America has to confront. Um, but I think cancel culture is a natural result of an ethnocidal society because with ethnocide, with the notion that you can strip people's humanity, their culture away from them, and that be beneficial so that you can exploit them and kind of like just discard them from the culture. Or they're just like an exploited mass that's like adjacent mm-hmm. to the dominant culture. Well, if that's always been a part of your society, the notion of punishing someone by sending them away to, to that exploited uh, like a waste right? that's just something that everyone's going to think is appropriate they're actually going to in a very tragic way view that as solving the problem you know it's, it's very interesting how you say that and it makes me think of like how we treat the current you know border crisis and the immigration system how it's like we're just going to lock these people away put them away and do what we want because them coming into our country is not good and this is the good way to d- right. solve this problem or um, in another example, sorry, I forgot my other example. Go ahead. But yeah, no, like, like America as a society tries to project this culture of, of whiteness as like the, the norm that has to be sustained where, and there, there's so many problems with that. So a large influx of non-white people will jeopardize the continuation of this, this white social norm this white dominant social norm and so the way to fix that in an ethnocidal society is just to kind of make those people disappear Mm -hmm. but we also know that those people being here and working Mm -hmm. and being exploited america's perfectly okay with that they we just don't like it when they're here and they want to get government services or they want to become citizens right they want to they want to start potentially mixing with white people and resulting That's in bad. fewer white people. So yeah. once they're here and it's like they get to be human beings. Right. They participate in our in our value system. Right. Once once we have to treat them like they're human beings, that's a problem. And these people are coming here asking to be treated like human beings. Yeah. So no no no. We America has a policy of saying we're gonna get rid of them. We're gonna cancel them. Yeah, and put them in cages or put them in whatever African Americans, as we decided right. to mass be, incarceration, mass incarceration. You know, slavery was the the, the first iteration of that. Indigenous but, people's lands. <laughs> right. Once people started trying to act like human beings, America has a has a massive uh, approach of 
canceling that group's humanity and just discarding with them slash exploiting them. Yeah. And so it doesn't surprise me that when we encounter something problematic in our society, we think it makes sense to cancel that. Mm-hmm. And that's and that kind of goes back to what I'm saying. Like that canceling that is coddling because you're not dealing with it. Right. Because what we're because what is the problem is just human existence. Mm. Like that's so if we have people's whose minds are conditioned to not be able to cope with just basic realities of existence, such as like there are people that don't look white and those people are also people. Mm-hmm. Well, then you're not going to be prepared to deal with really anything in existence ever. Like you're just you're just bad at just being alive. Yeah. If that is something that's pr- troubling for you, the fact that there are people who don't look like they're European. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's that's crazy. outrageous. That's outrageous. And you know it's it's and so if you have to coddle people's minds and and shelter them from the reality of the humanity of people outside of Europe. Just think of like the lengths you have to go to make people feel okay with this notion that these continents that are way bigger than Europe have way more people. Those people aren't people, and that this tiny little uh, continent over here that's just these are the real people. The continent's nearly like a peninsula of Asia, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That that's where only people live. Like that's a coddling that is just. You have to, like, for example, like Jesus, that guy's from the Middle East. Yeah. Y'all know that he looks like an Arab person. Real simple. You will go to America, all the images of this guy. Why Jesus? Like he's from Scandinavia. Right. Like, that's a level of coddling that you have to do at, like, at a foundational level. You just have to redo everything to make it look like those people are, are people which are European looking. You know, when you think about, when you talk about, like, how, like, the twisted mutation of how deep that can go you I also it made me think about like how you referenced earlier like the coded language that we use in the United States to uh you know from whistleblow for dog whistling to certain policies and the reasons that we like block off certain things because you're basically saying like you we've gotten to the point where we can't just say like oh the black people have to be over here or this is the problem so now we're saying well in these communities, in urban communities, this is going on. So we need to figure in that coded language still creates a coddling because it's still you're not looking at the humanity. You're talking around people or you're talking around actual people living their lives and doing things. Right. Yeah. Like we from the very beginning, we've had to do these do this coddling of, you know, the European mind in order to. And I, it's weird, like, even, like, a certain level of coddling is I have to describe it as a we. Like, I'm not a part of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I had no, my, my, I culturally had no participation in helping Europeans come up with these bad ideas for how they perceive the rest of the world. But as, a, as an American, as someone that's been brought up as an American to view it as a collective, there's still, like, a, a cultural concept of describing it as a we. Nah, it's not a we. I didn't have anything to do with that. Right. None of my ancestors did either. They literally wouldn't let us have anything to do with that. Right. So the fact that European colonizers came up with these false notions of 
who are human beings and what has value, and they just made a whole discourse around sustaining that, that's coddling 101. And, and now, as people are in like American schools and spaces and they get, more, they get, have, get a greater proximity to just human existence. To, yeah, what the world really is and how it works. Things are going to start triggering them. And then one thing that's also naturally going to be a, a trigger is the realization of like the plethora of bad ideas that, that white people have had of America. <laughs> yeah. You know, like if you, if like if you spent your whole life thinking your grandfather was the best person ever. Yeah. And then you find out that your grandfather is this massive racist that you know did all these horrible things. Right. Now you're gonna start questioning your entire yeah. existence. You know, right. like I used to joke with friends, it'd be like waking up and finding out that your dad's Bernie Madoff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Like that's gonna be very emotionally like problematic. Right. And like that's the scope of And like, you'd rather not do and like they'd rather not deal with that. Right. They'd rather be able to like use uh, the power that they've accrued over the years to limit the conversation so that they don't feel bad. And granted, no one likes to do things to make people feel bad, but sometimes feeling bad is a necessary thing for growth. But you just have to apply that with like a wisdom and you know care to do it properly so it's kind of it's complicated but canceling or being coddled that's just like a foundational part of american existence and so it shouldn't be a shock that people now feel like they should cancel things and and get coddled as yeah. they go through life while still being in charge <laughs> while still being on, on the top of things <laughs> so here's a question for you like what about like let's try and figure out like what's the evtopian way like the is there a, a evtopian way of uh dealing with cancel culture or addressing people's uh past transgressions or things that they say or is there a proper evtopian way to provide people with trigger warnings and safe spaces like is there still a need or is it just deal with it or like come to come into existence with it yeah no there's definitely a utopian way of going about these types of things it's just that it won't be fun like, <laughs> it like, never is it's just not gonna be fun you know like the utopian society is going to be really hard <laughs> it, it, well that's the thing like most things that you end up doing to keep you alive are hard you just come up with of like a, a, a wise philosophical understanding for the imperative of doing it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like one thing that I've tried to do, and this is still hard for me, is a, to, to kind of plan out my day. Like wake up in the morning, write something down saying, I'm going to do these things through the day and then hold myself accountable throughout the day to make sure I check off all the stuff on the list. And then at the end of the day, sit down and say, oh, all right, I, I accomplished this. Yeah. That's not easy. That's not fun. It'd be great to like look you know, I'd be, if I, I could very easily look at the list and just fudge it and say, I did do all that stuff. Yeah. And I didn't. At the end of the day, I got to look at it and say, man, I kind of screwed up today. I didn't do that well. Blah, blah, blah. That's not fun. That's, no one likes to. No do. one likes to look at it. It's like it, it's the it's the inner work or the introspection that you kind of have to apply to your life. Exactly. But like that's an essential component of being a person. Those essential parts of being a person where you try to 
have like a positive impact and know who you are and know the impact you're having in the world around you, it's not fun. Yeah. But America has created this narrative of freedom and existence of one where you just get to do whatever you want. Yeah. So long as you have good intent, yeah. then something good happens. That's just that's not, not how true. work. Right. That's just not how Because everyone's works. perception of good intent and what they're fighting for, whatever they're trying to get, is subjective. And like the, the best example, like the, one, the one that I like the most, I guess, not necessarily the best, is just like a math exam. Like math is great because you have to show your work. And there are a lot of people who try to get 100 on math exams, and they don't get 100. Because they should have, right. You know? work, right? Like we can show your, you can see your work and what you try to do. It's like, that's completely wrong. You got that wrong. You get an F. I know you tried to get 100, but you did not get yeah. 100. You are getting an F. This person over here, they got 100 because they did it they right. They did it right. You know? They followed the steps. They did it right. 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 And, you know, and clearly like, life is more complicated than like a simple math exam. Yeah. So it's, you know, I'm not saying that it's that simple, but there is a realization that intent doesn't mean that the outcome doesn't is mean one shit, year right. Like plenty of people have a certain intent and do it all wrong. And I think that's part of this Evtopian conversation at a micro and a macro level. And that's the type of conversation America has to have. And I think we'll, we'll, we're gonna, as a people, a lot of us will struggle with coming to grips with the scope of things that America has gotten wrong. Yeah. Um, but that's what you have to do. Yeah. Do something Evtopian. You got to go through that work to do that. To create a good place, you have to be aware of the stuff that you've done to create a bad place. And it's like right now, it's even a weird conversation for people to acknowledge that America has created a bad place for black people. Mm -hmm. Like we like to project it that America is good for black people and that black people should be happy to be here. But we know for a fact that black people were brought here for the purpose of being exploited right. forever. Right. So how would that That ever... was the goal that they didn't plan to stop doing that when right. they brought them here. Right. <laughs> right. Like we, we still to this day are fighting against that foundational goal of creating, having a society that's based around there being two main groups of people. One gets to exploit and the other Others one gets exploited. to be exploited. Like that's troubling for us to even comprehend to like to, to come to grips with because it's so emotionally fraught. And then the the step beyond that is acknowledging that black people shouldn't be excited about being here. But like that makes sense. Why would anybody be excited or happy about living in an environment that's, that's based, based around exploiting, exploiting you. them forever? Right. Like to have an Evtopian or like a good place environment. You have to be able to ask these very basic questions. Right. And America is a place that just doesn't want to ask or answer these questions, period, ever. It's, it's, so it won't be fun. It won't be fun at all. It's so interesting because it's almost like you, we want to move away from the basic humanity. and Because it's really about like, it's a simple question when you think about people's humanity and it's inherent that you're always thinking about people's humanity. It's a, It becomes an easy question to answer. Right, but our society is based around removing people's humanity exactly and and so but this is what ends up happening is that the people that are removing the humanity of others think that they're going to be able to keep their humanity throughout that process and that's what's ridiculous (laughs) like right right like how can you 
how does that make sense? Like, did you, I don't see how you don't think how you get that far without thinking about it. Right, like, that's the scope of how bad the ideas are. To me, it doesn't sound like you thought about it. They didn't. And now (laughs) we live in a place where people don't want to believe that they need to think about anything. Right. They just get to do what they want so long as they think that what they're doing is good. With good intent. Then good outcomes naturally will occur. That's insane. That's, that's just absolutely crazy. But like, that's, that's where we live, you know? And you can, you can extend that, like that thought process also, like it can just go so far. Like if you, if you think that murder is good, yeah. Therefore, when you murder a bunch of people, you're going to think good things happen. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that what's wild about that. I mean, I've been thinking about this, but like, you know, the 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 mass shooter or like anyone that fights a terrorist that's fighting for what they think is good or to disrupt so that they can get to what they think is good. Right. I mean, that's basic. I mean, that goes back to every terrorist group that they talk about right. back to Nazis. Everyone right. was moving with good intent. Mhm. They, they thought, yeah, they felt their intent was good. Right. Clearly, not good outcomes. America as a society is based on this premise that, like, white people, you, you know, former Europeans, inherently have, like, good intent and that they mean well, therefore, good things will happen. And it extends to the point where, like, they'll say that to black people. Yeah. It's like, there's no way that I should ever believe the legitimacy of that opinion because I physically am here. What do you think about, like, I, like now I'm thinking about, like, the clusterfuck that happens to people when it's, like, you have the people that won't deal with the problem and, and the good intent, mm-hmm. and then those subjected under it who have to believe that it wasn't good intention as well and, like, kind of still move within that system that it is, it is good intention. So, right, so th- th- that's, the, that's the complexity of all of this, is if you, live, if you live in a society that's based on, you know, bad intent, bad faith, but they perceive it to be good intent, good faith, and you are the oppressed, mm-hmm. and you're trying to make the society better, you clearly aren't going to want to imitate your oppressors. Right. Because you'll just perpetuate the bad stuff. Right. right? But at the same time, That's all you know. That's all you know. So you then have to figure out something else to do, but the only reason you're figuring out something else to do is because you have empathy for the humanity of of oppressors. Of the oppressor. And you know that that oppressor has no cultural structure that- They don't have that same empathy back to you. And there's no cultural thing encouraging them to have it right so you have to create a level of empathy with people who don't have it but probably think they do because you know they think they have good intent anyway so they probably think they're super empathetic but there's nothing that's making them have empathy to the level that the oppressed are going to want to have empathy because if i am suffering the oppression and i can feel how bad it is I'm definitely not going to want to subject other people to it. Right. So, like, my proximity to empathy is going to be way greater. Mm. But I'm going to get less from my empathy because I'm going to be empathetic with people who don't have the same level of empathy. Yeah. And so the que- what you end up having to do is almost manipulate right. oppressors 
in a way that makes them have a level of empathy that they didn't want or th- think or that thought they needed. they needed. And that's when you can like have progress. And so like this goes back. And is that real progress? That's so the the answer is like you don't know because you have to like implement it mm-hmm, to find but out. But you definitely know that it's not a continuation of the like regressive dystopian norm. Yeah. Like you, if you have a philosophy of not doing the things that you know are destructive, I think there's a greater chance that you'll create things that are less destructive. But that philosophy hopefully can allow for like progressive incremental change. Yeah. So like to circle this back to like the Joe Biden thing, like with, with, with Biden, it's like, well, I believe that this man is getting more and more empathy Mm -hmm. as he goes through life and interacts with African Americans who are committed to not acting like white people from the eighties or the seventies or nineties, he will progressively get better. So that means that I don't want to cancel him. Yeah. There are plenty of white people in, in America that aren't like showing that they're acquiring more empathy. They're le- they're not receptive. Right. Those people, you know, we already it's easy to die. We've already dealt with them, right? That's, that's I get it. But now you see the 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 the, the dichotomy, the dilemma is that as an African American, I'm going to look at this white guy and say I believe that he's like acquiring more and more empathy, and I have this revolutionary. We have this revolutionary situation where this is white guy who's running for president <laughs> saying, my platform is write or die the black president. That's it. You like the black president? Well, write or die. Like, we, we a squad. We a, we a team. If you like that, I I that's what I got him. with you. <laughs> I roll with him for life. It's like, yo, that's unprecedented. Yeah. Like, that, I love that image. But he's got the whole baggage of just being white in America for a very long time. that's That's, yeah that's that's really it is is. but the response that people want to tell me i should have is one with less empathy towards him where i should just cancel him right wow and white people will tell me that i should you should cancel him him. and should not have empathy right because that's innately what they because that's that's what they know they perceive creating a good society or being empathetic is using your power to cancel and remove people. (laughs) So (laughs) that was our mind blown voice for the audience if you didn't know. (laughs) And then they you know, they'll they they'll instruct black people that the best way for us to have a better existence is for us to be less empathetic towards white people. It's a class. Yeah, I just I go back like, to it's just a class of cultures. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's just so it's just like like it's like you're in the upside down. Like, yeah. Like a white person will straight up tell me that the way for a black people to have greater progress in the society is to be less empathetic towards white people, and but that just doesn't. If I'm hearing it from a white person. Then if I listen to what she's saying, what do you want me to do to you? <laughs> then I shouldn't listen to what she's I saying. I shouldn't be listening to you, right? And but then if I do that, then they'll say that I don't have empathy and I don't want to listen. <laughs> Thus, <laughs> the mind of a black person at all times. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it, it requires a profound level of patience that like society just can't even comprehend how it could be beneficial. Yeah, they'll only know it's beneficial after I've won. 
and like they wake up and their life's better. <laughs> <laughs> dope, dope, dope. As they fight me the entire time. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, great conversation. Um, uh, I, I definitely love your perspective. You've definitely helped me figure some things out. So before we uh, you know, wrap up today's episode, um, is there any kind of recommendations or things that you've been reading, articles you've read, ideas that you'd like to share that's kind of been like evtopian or ethnocidal that you kind of want our audience to kind of like think on? Like what's been? Uh, well, there's a book I'm reading right now that I really like called uh, The Labyrinth of Solitude mm-hmm. by Octavio Paz. And it's, by, uh, it's about Mexican culture. I think one of the things that's really enlightening for American audiences is due to Spanish colonization being slightly different than like, you know, the English, like yeah. Anglo-Saxon colonization is that they've started mixing with indigenous people a lot earlier. Like immediately on us. Yeah, and so their culture of people is a culture of mixed people where they've come mm-hmm. up with names of like, this is what this new mixed type of people are called. And there's, you know, lots of drama between this mixing because we're coming to terms with the colonization and the inherent, like, violence and mistrust that Mm -hmm. was forged in creating these new types of people. Uh, And that's complicated. But, like, America, we haven't made new people. Like, Mm. we have the same, you know, we have roughly the same type of dynamics of people. Dynamics and divisions, yeah. In the place. But we've steadfastly abstained and worked hard to ensure that there isn't a mixing that it's it's a bifurcated yeah. culture and the progress we're going to have to make is or is naturally like people are just going to mix yeah which is already happening right it's yeah. going to happen and as people mix we're going to need to come up with like a a cultural identity a name something to like identify these people and address yeah. the history of why these this type of people are on the planet at all you know yeah and like Latin American places are, have actually had to address that. That doesn't mean that they've come with the best outcomes or whatever. Yeah. But that's the profound thought that has to start matriculating into American mind. Where like for the longest time we've tried to present this narrative that people can just become white. You know that's fascinating because I I talked to you about this when you first introduced the book to me. But you know in my travels to Mexico and doing like you know the you know. Uh, tours of the Mayans uh, facilities and stuff, facilities, temples. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you realize that, like, oh, wow, like, they have indigenous peoples here that look like Native Americans that were in North America. And this is just me, like, tying things together from all of my readings in, like, your Mm -hmm. childhood as well. Like, wow, we're really fucked out here. (laughs) Yeah. I I had the same thing the more I got, like, like, learned about the Mexican culture and Mexican people. Like, I'm from America. We don't teach people anything about, like, stuff that's not white. Like, right. I, like, the only concept I had as a kid about, like, what Mexican people look like were from, like, textbooks where they're like, this is the Aztecs, and they wore hats. And they wore the hats. And yeah. then it's like the Spanish conquistadors. Exactly. And then, I, I, yeah. and then you realize that, like, everyone, you're, you're now in Mexico, and now you're looking at, oh, wow, these people... Like, Are, that person that's looks mine. like my textbook. Like, <laughs> right. he looks like the textbook of an Aztec image that I saw in third right. grade. This is crazy. Exactly. Like, you know? And then you're looking around at everyone else, and you're like, wait, they look like Spanish Europeans. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and, and this is no way saying that there's not, like, racial tension or strife yeah. or conflict in these places. It's, it's not, these aren't utopian places without tension or whatever. Right. But what we're saying is there's a, a new 
type of people that were created in this new place because indigenous and Spanish and you know African had to mix it. They mix, had to right. give them a name. Mm. America doesn't create names because the they name just is, want you to be white. Exactly, and that's impossible. Like I'm from. No here. one's saying like, oh, this new American and this new America that we're building, right. and this is who people are, and we all look these different ways, and this is how our culture changed. They're saying like, whoa, we're getting away from whiteness. Exactly. And and they will fight tooth and nail for it is what we're finding. Right, which is frankly another example of just like the coddling of the American mind. There you go. It's like, <laughs> there's the inevitability of people mixing, and like that's just too traumatic. That's for too traumatic to for people about. to. So we got to coddle American minds and make people think that it makes sense for white to just be like sustainable forever, despite being surrounded by people who have darker complexions, and that Europe is also like. That's like so small as a continent. Like, that like, this is everything is right in this small man. You just think about how big Asia is and the amount of people in China and India alone. Right. That we just think that it makes sense that there's just gonna be like a bunch of white people forever, like the dominant like on the planet. Like that's <laughs> crazy. Just numerically, that just doesn't make any sense. And we're not even talking about how big Africa is. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, it's a wh- profound level of coddling to, to for someone to think that makes any rational amount of sense. Straight up, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to bring that back around for another episode because there's so many different threats. But uh, with that being said, that's been an episode of Bad Faith Podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was one episode. Yo, it's so dope. So thank you for joining me again, Barrett. Uh, we'll wrap next time with some more topics. And this has been your host, Bakari Ibrahim. Um, And we'll catch you next time on Bad Faith. Yep, thanks for listening. This episode of Bad Faith Podcast was produced in partnership with Candor Labs. To learn more about production with Candor Labs, log on to candorlabs.com. That's candor with two A's.